this is the value of education. If I'd known what I knew now, like I would have kept half of those houses and would have been able to. But at that time, you went to the bank and the bank told you what you had to do. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're talking with property developer Vivian Halliday. We'll start her journey in beautiful New Zealand and follow along from her first reno to 16 properties. We learn how to get at least a 10% return on a reno and how she dealt with a biker gang that ended up living in one of her properties. All that and more to come. Halliday is a passionate full-time property developer and renovator with a number of developed properties under her wing. I've done probably about 16 renovations over the time in about three uh, subdivisions. Um, yeah, I, I just love property, anything to do with property, which is uh, sort of overtakes life sometimes. Wow, that's a lot. What time frame did you complete those renovations? Uh, it's been over a long time. I think it was the first house that we bought, we renovated and we kept on doing that over the time. Um, but then I got to do it pretty much full time um, and was doing it for other people as well. And now I sort of do it more as part of a subdivision. Um, seems to add an extra string to that bow. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love the old Queenslanders. It's my, my passion, the old houses, bringing them back to life. Although Halliday would love to be renovating properties all day, her daily life focuses on more logistics. It does change a lot but normally I get up, check emails, check what's on the market. Um, I have KPIs that I try to keep too and that involves sending out SMSs, talking to agents, um, sending out letters and uh, chasing up any potential properties that I find, you know, working out the feasibility, see whether they work. Um, and on a Saturday, I try to get out and see those open homes so I can meet the agents, put a face, put my face in front of them so if they remember me, maybe they'll send me the deal. Halliday was raised in a beautiful town surrounded by open fields and mountains. Uh, I grew up in New Zealand, uh, a small country town in the middle of the North Island called Tamaranui. Uh, very small. It used to be a farming community um, and that was the little hub for a lot of the farmers. I wonder what that was like growing up in a place like that. We used to hop on bikes and drive around, you know, run around the, the place and basically it was come home, you know, mum used to have afternoon tea for us and then we'd just scarper until it was time for tea, you know. Um, so we'd be riding our push bikes or going for bushwalks or, you know, playing cricket across the road with the, the um, neighbour's place or they had this huge, um, it was almost like a football field in front of their place so that all the neighbourhood kids used to go out there and play. So it was a lot freer than what we have now. It's, it's lovely to hear that as well too. So tell me a little bit more about your childhood growing up in New Zealand then. What was that like? What was school like? I was very, very lucky. I, I walked about, I don't know, 200 metres down the road to my school. Um, It was a Catholic school, so it was uh, quite restrictive in a way, but um, we we always found ways to have fun. Like 
uh, it was cold in New, in New Zealand in Tamanui, and so like we used to sneak out at at night time and get the hose on and put it on the um, netball courts. And then we'd sort of like get there in the morning and there'd be ice all over the netball courts. So we used to slide all over the netball courts. And, of course, <laughs> the the uh, nuns weren't very happy with that. <laughs> but, yeah, we used to sort of find some fun things to do like that. Um, yeah, climbing trees and things like that. My brother used to help me up and leave me up there. Her relationship with her brother was a pretty typical one. They caused each other a lot of chaos, as siblings do. He was just um, more mischievous than I was. Um, although, because he, he was younger and faster, um, and I think when I was probably about 10, he mum and mum went back to work. So I stayed home with him and um, he was being cheeky with me. So I gave him a clip around the ear. Well, he chased me around and around the house and he was catching me, so I shut the door behind me and of course he was so close that he couldn't stop so we went straight through this glass door and I was like oh no I am going to be in the biggest trouble ever (laughs) but surprisingly I wasn't um like I'd actually sort of handled the situation it had been cut over his head and blood everywhere so I sort of did the right thing got the right neighbor in and (laughs) So I, I didn't sort of get in as much trouble as I thought I would, but um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we got into a little bit of mischief. Eventually, she moved from New Zealand to Australia. She wanted to see what opportunities she could find elsewhere. From high school, although not straight away, um, I actually moved over here and I, after I was working for a little while, decided to do um, TAFE part-time and do an advanced diploma in um, accounting. And then it wasn't until my daughter was um, probably two that I upgraded that um, and did five subjects at uni to to upgrade that so that I could um, get an accountant's degree. Um, But funnily enough, I never really used it that much. Um, I actually got a job bookkeeping and then went from there. So, But it's good to have that knowledge in the background. It's no secret that having kids is difficult. So, how did she manage to study while she had a two-year-old? I just did it part-time. So, I sort of did just um, one unit at a time. So, over two and a half years, I got um, that degree um, done. So, it was it was hard, but my husband used to work um, night shift and so forth. And sometimes he would have a day off and I'd just sort of like get in there and cram and do, my, do what I had to um, just snippets here and snippets there as I'm sure a lot of people have done um I don't envy one anyone doing a full-time degree and working it must be so hard she explained what her life looked like after high school and before TAFE uh the first job I actually did leaving school I actually worked in a laboratory I used to do um blood tests and because it was country we used to do like tests on horses and cows and things as well um and I used to take blood um so I remember that you'd quite often see see the guys more than the girls walk in and go you know it's like looking at you with terrified eyes and you just sort of say would you like to lie down they go oh yes 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 (laughs) Um, so 
it was fun. It was just a small community hospital, so everybody got along and everyone knew each other. And um, yeah, it was quite a, a hub in, in that era. It's probably all changed now. Um, and then I got an offer of a job at um, the ANZ Bank. So I was a teller there for a few years and then moved up to the bank up in Auckland. When she moved to Australia, she didn't find home right away. I have actually moved around. I, I moved to um, Melbourne first up and I got a job there at Telstra. Um, I used to run their little um, phone shop there for a while. That was when the Erica Fonds were um, big and the, the um, commanders and that were in. That was like so long ago. I'm sure they're antiques now. Um, and then my mum got sick. She'd actually moved over after me to Brisbane and so I got transferred up to Brisbane. Um, so I was in Brisbane for quite a while until I met my husband um, and he was actually down in Coffs. So I went to Coffs Harbour, back to Brisbane. Uh, when we got married, we actually went to Mount Isa, which was his first posting um, with the railways. And then we went to Mackay and then back to Brisbane. Wow. What, what was your husband doing back then? Um, when I met him, he was just working in the service station, but he had worked in the railways for about uh, probably eight years before that. Um, but had to move down to Coffs for um, his, he had a previous wife who was sick, so was there and she passed away. So when I met him, we sort of thought, well, we'll come back to, to Brisbane and he got back into the railways again. So it was working from, from the railways that went out to Mount Isa. Coming up after the break, we learned how Halliday was able to afford her first property. And that actually helped us get through um, and pay those ridiculous interest rates. We hear about the unpredictable side of renting properties. We actually rented that out for a while, had a bikey gang living in there for a while. We learn about the criteria Halliday uses when looking for property to flip. But I always sort of look, I suppose, for properties where you can add something different to it. And that's next. I'm Taran Sham and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey Property Investor, is your cash or equity currently earning you 1 to 2% per annum sitting in the bank? What if I said to you that you can do better? To find out more, simply register your interest to become a money partner at propertyinvestory.com. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest to get a higher return with low risk on their money for 6 months. Register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Halliday says that property is a relationship business, especially during the acquisition part of the journey. Even when I renovate, um, I'm always looking at what I'm giving back to the market and what sort of people are looking for. It's that relationship of providing what they want. Um, the buyers, it's the same sort of thing. What, what do they want? It's um, trying to give them what they need. And creating the, the relationships with the agents, the acquisition part, I always find tricky. It always takes a lot of time. Once you've got it, it's then just a process. 
Um, so getting that acquisition um, is definitely, I think, uh, the biggest part probably of, of the journey. Halliday was able to kill two birds with one stone by getting into the property game to help her mother. Uh, the first property that I brought, um, my mother needed help with a loan. Back, back in those days, um, it was really hard for a, an older person and she was not really old. She was only probably 40s or 50s um, to get a loan. And so I actually went half with her in a house to get so that she could get this house um and that was sort of you know like she lived in it and I just sort of paid part towards it um and we renovated that a bit and then when we had the 17 percent um interest rates that were horrendous um I was actually working in a hardware which um I loved because it was always something different every day um, so that was sort of partly my interest in, in property. And um, the guy that I was working for helped us build in underneath the house. So my mum had a granny flat underneath and we rented out up top and that actually helped us get through um, and pay those ridiculous interest rates. So um, that was my first foray into property. <laughs> And we kept that, that property for ages. So I've only sold it probably four or five years ago. Although it wasn't exactly above board, the property was in a good area and it served them well. Um, it was just basically it was um, where mum wanted to live. Um, it was an old high set in that area. So not not a Queenslander type. but um, So it was up on stumps. It was concreted underneath and... You know, it wasn't legal height, but it was actually quite comfortable. Or he had um, windows and sliding doors and things like that, so we didn't have to do too much to it. Um, obviously, highly illegal, like you wouldn't get away with it today. But back then, you could. Everybody was doing it. Councils didn't really, you know, check, and um, it, it sort of served us right. It was on the train line. You know, had access to her work. Um, which meant when we went to sell it, it was, it was in high demand even though it wasn't legal. People could see that it was sort of done nicely and, you know, would rent or you could sort of have mum and dad and kids or whatever there. After buying her first property with her mum, Halliday realised the power of building to rent for an additional income. And soon enough, she got her husband on board. When we got together, he had a house in Coffs Harbour. So we actually sold that and we bought one in Brisbane. And um, we, we renovated that. It was the, the, in the era of, you know, um, what was it? The Mission Brown. <laughs> so we, we changed it to a beautiful apricot. Oh, my God. I walk into a house now that's got that and I'm going, oh, I'm so sorry to the people that brought my house. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so we started to renovate that one and then because we moved, um, we actually rented that out for a while, had a bikey gang living in there for a while, but my dad sort of actually scared the lady off um, and so she left and the bikey gang went with her. But um, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Um, so we rented that and then we moved to Mount Isa, which we just lived in normal accommodation. And then we moved to Mackay where 
we'd bought another house and renovated that. And then we'd add a granny flat onto the back of that one. It sort of started to be a bit of a pattern from there, I think. I always, because I'd seen um, when mum was at the, you know, in mum's first house, how much a difference building that granny flat in um, gave us that extra income so that we could rent upstairs, she could live downstairs. Um, it was always in the back of my mind. So when we had the house in Mackay, we actually um, built a granny flat at the back and legal this time. <laughs> Um, and we rented like my mum actually moved up but you know we could rent that out if we wanted to you know Um, and we had that we were in Mackay for about eight years until we sold and this is the value of education if I'd known what I knew now like I would have kept half of those houses and would have been able to but at that time you went to the bank and the bank told you what you had to do Um, and you just did what you were told so um and from there we went to and it's funny like when I look sometimes for a house for myself I used to go down to my mum's and said to her oh I really like to live there you know and this was a, a place on the water and I thought I'd just like to be able to walk to the beach it'd be lovely and when we came down I actually found a house in that suburb that was just right for us so um, and I've done that a couple of times. So it's quite interesting how when you sort of like stick something in your mind, it sort of works its way into reality. So She shares a piece of advice that she's learned along the way. But now I sort of realise that, yeah, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, had, um, I had bought some investments along the way, but they always seem to be dual lock or something that I could make into dual occupancy to get the two strings of income through. That really makes a huge difference to your cash flow too, to be able to sustain and keep these properties, especially for a portfolio that you're growing. So I'm assuming there was positive cash flow every time you bought these dual properties. They were close to positive, but if they weren't positive, they paid for themselves. Um, so and when the interest rates would go up, you know, you might have a short, you know, small short fall, but... Um, most of the time, they sort of covered their own expenses. So, While selling renos seemed glamorous, you need to do the dirty work first and any good developer knows you might have to live in them mid-reno which can get messy. I suppose pulling out the kitchen is always tricky um, but we're campers so we sort of have all the gear. We can just sort of like put it in another room and set it up. I actually sometimes when I've got a Queenslander that I'm renovating, I'll go and um, stay in it because like I actually live down the Gold Coast now and I do all my renovating and, and investing in Brisbane um, and sometimes it's just you know if you put in a big day it's really hard work to sort of get back down the coast just to turn around and go back up so um, I'll quite often have a blow up mattress and a you know like food or as long as I've got a toilet and a shower I'm happy <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I can live through a reno, but not, not many people can. Um, I, I didn't do that many with the family, like rip it apart. Um, and a lot of them, like the granny flat is in a separate area, so that wasn't so bad either. So, But, yeah, yeah, just um, trying to, trying to organise it so you've still got a bathroom function and somewhere to cook. 
is yeah, the main thing. While she's flipping heaps of properties alone, she enjoys it more when she gets to work with a friend. I did a reno up in, uh, I did a reno up in Toowoomba, and I, if you sort of took away the part that um, of the driving up there and back, because that wasn't fun. <laughs> it was two hours up and two hours back. Um, but I actually did that with a friend, and I just love doing it with somebody. It's um, it's a lot more fun. I've done quite a few JVs in my time, uh, which is joint ventures, and and I love the um, doing it with other people. It, it's great to sort of have that feedback and um, not so much needing uh, the advice, but, you know, it's just fun just doing it with somebody else. Halliday talks us through her process from criteria to when she sells the property. Most of my renos have been buy, reno and hold, although I have done some buy, reno, sell. Um, I usually look for a 10% um, return and, you know, that will vary depending on the price of the house Um, because obviously, you know, you don't want to do it for nothing. Um, But... I always sort of look, I suppose, for properties where you can add something different to it, where you can make a point of difference. The Queenslanders are amazing because they have all these little nooks and crannies that you can add en suites and robes and um, just by bringing it back to life, you know, in your kitchen, your bathroom, it makes a huge difference to the property. Um, so I look for something that I can add different and I always look for something that the market is looking for. So if it's in a family area, I try to make it family friendly. If it's in um, like the new market one that I just did, it was a, like a younger sort of more hip sort of, you know, more professional area. So um a big yard wasn't as important and, you know, entertaining was, that sort of thing. So, What exactly does Halliday look for in a property? I have a criteria and obviously it's it's um, a return um, that I'm looking for. But I've also found that it, it can take a while to get um, a deal but a lot of it is mindset. Um, I actually got a mentor, um, Young Nguyen, a little while back, probably about two and a half years ago, because I was, I was stuck and I wasn't, um, I wasn't moving forward and I couldn't figure out what it was. And the mindset is just so powerful. It's getting in there and knowing, um, well, doing the do, but also focus and clarity in what you want. Um, and those sort of things really make the difference. It's not just the mechanics of talking to agents and things. It, it really, your belief, you know, and, and, you know, how do you find what, you, what um, you're looking for if you don't know what you're looking for, that sort of thing, um, being laser-focused and, and knowing your market. In a future episode of Property Investory, 
We'll continue the conversation with Vivian Halliday, where we'll discuss the power of spending money to make money. I know friends of mine have sort of said they wouldn't be able to sleep at night if they, you know, had the amount of debt that I had. The house that opened her eyes to endless possibilities in property. Hang on a second. I can actually um, subdivide this and put a new mini boarding house on the back of it. The mindset that helped her get on top of her first mortgage. Instead of digging, you know, putting your head in the sand and saying it's too too hard, I don't know what to do. Um, there's usually always a way out or there's always a different way of doing things that might be better. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. And if you love the show and are ready to get serious about investing your money to get a low risk, high return, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a money partner. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest their money for a short six months. To register interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040.